Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Future Tech Podcast. My name is Juliette Lamar, and my guest today is Chase. Smith. He is the founder and lead architect at Open Platform. Hey, Chase. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, no problem. So let's get so started. Why can, don't yeah. you yeah, yeah, take the floor and explain what exactly Open Platform does and who you are. Yeah, so Open Platform is uh, an initial coin offering. It's meant to not be a protocol-based layer, but actually a blockchain agnostic. Um, that means it doesn't depend on any blockchain, um, a, ba- a blockchain agnostic abstraction layer. Uh, so basically what we're trying to do is we're trying to bridge the gap between blockchain payments and uh, application backend. There's a, there's a huge issue right now um, with cryptocurrencies where they're they're really seen as assets. They're not they're not liquid. They're not actually able to be spent. And because of this, um, there's there's not a lot of incentive for the mainstream audience to to be onboarded. And there's not a lot of incentive or infrastructure uh, for mainstream developers to to actually onboard in and create these blockchain payment systems. Um, yeah. So so I guess I can go into the the main problem of the space that I see. Um, and the reason, the motivation for creating open, um, it, it gets to this creation versus integration, um, this creation versus integration issue. Uh, so what we have now in the blockchain is we have numerous ICOs. 
um, trying to create these niche applications of the blockchain where there's already centralized infrastructure that does it. So you've got the, you know, the Airbnb of blockchain. You know, I'm sure there's going to be an Uber of blockchain. Um, these these solutions aren't they're powerful, but but they they require creation. They require development on the platform. Um, and the philosophy that I have, the approach that I have is, why don't we actually utilize and leverage this centralized infrastructure that we already have um, to, to, to facilitate, facilitate the, the mainstream adoption of blockchain payments? Um, and that was, that was kind of the motivation of Open. We're, we're initially targeting uh, games and web applications just because it's easier to trade digital assets for uh, crypto payments. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really hope to expand outside of that to um, food and other aspects like that. It's difficult. It's more difficult with physical goods because you actually have to pay the manufacturer in cryptocurrencies, mm-hmm. and there needs to be more adoption um, with that. Exactly, and I mean, in your in your experience, do you see rapid adoption happening, or is it going to be a struggle the whole way? So, rapid adoption. We we see right now that there's a lot of desire from the early adopters to spend cryptocurrency. And we see this with CryptoKitties and the various spinoffs. Um, but for main, mainstream adoption, I'm not going to lie, it's, it's going to be tough um, to have someone utilize uh, an asset that's really only backed by cryptography is difficult. Um, so I, I know that I'm not, I mean, in, in terms of a, a subjective view, I, I'm completely on board and, and, you know, into the blockchain space. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm a huge, huge evangelist, but I also understand that that is kind of a crazy perspective for a lot of other people. Um, so a lot of other people think it's a scam. They think, you know, you can't really get anything except for illegal goods. There's this kind of subversive underground effect for it. And mm-hmm. the goal is to really bring that into the open market, to make it easy to, to purchase cryptocurrencies, to make it secure. Um, and those are really the implementation issues that I have. There are obviously other implementation issues with like scalability. So right now, um, getting the number of transactions to be feasible for a large audience is an issue, mm-hmm. um, as well as kind of the data storage. But at Open, we we have actually we've we've developed not a workaround but a solution to that. And the solution uh, relies on these things called one-way state channels. And what that means is you basically create a create like an off-chain payment. So you're only interacting with one person and you can only pay one way. And, you know, when you think about the number of payments that have this, uh, it's a lot. It's, and it's a lot of the, the consumer use payments that have this as well. Um, so because my focus is for the consumer and not for the exchanges, not for trading, uh, that's really the focus that I have. I mean, I think the one-way payments solve that issue. Um, and that, that's my main perspective. But yeah, mainstream adoption is going to be tough. And that's why having kind of these easy, easy ability for users to spend currencies on mobile applications is, is a really powerful aspect. Um, and it's also a motivation for the open platform to be blockchain agnostic. So we don't want to use a lot of ICOs. They'll, they'll make it so you have to use their token to, um, to transact, on, transact on their platform. Um, but what that creates is it creates these silos of um, utility, you know, so you have one, one platform that has this utility, one platform that has this utility, and you have to exchange tokens to go through these platforms. So with open, we, we, we're trying to make it 
Um, I mean, we're, we're making it so you can use any cryptocurrency to purchase something. And that's powerful because you need to show people that every cryptocurrency is an, is an asset you can purchase with. Exactly, because I think a lot of people, when they see how many different coins are out there, they think, well, this isn't even real. People are just making up coins when, in fact, they are they are based on something. Yes. I mean, a lot of them are are kind of scam coins. Mm-hmm. Um, and and how, how, how is something a scam coin? Like, more detail about the scam coins. Like, what exactly, you know, are they and how do people avoid them? (laughs) um, So, for investors in ICOs, our initial coin offerings, I would be Mm -hmm. very cautious about investing in coins that try to have large public offerings um, because what they're they're basically trying to do is it's a cash grab. Um, You have these people who say, oh, wow, we can make a lot of money by, I mean, it's like the internet boom. You can make a ton of money by just saying, oh, I have this ICO for, you know, something released for like the next Uber, for the next, I don't know, like Twitter or whatever, Spotify. Mm -hmm. And you make this cash grab where you say, oh, I'll just, you know, distribute these tokens, create all this marketing hype. And you never actually have any experience. You never actually have any platform that you're going to build. And it's, it's, it's really sad. It's kind of destroying the market. And I'm waiting for this bubble to pop. So the real kind of um, ICOs can be, um, can be around. But if, if in terms of like due diligence for the ICOs, I would really suggest reading the white paper, kind of looking and understanding uh, what the community is like, what they're actually trying to do, um, and just kind of putting it through a lot of vetting processes. It's a lot of, um, it's really difficult to vet ICOs. Um, there are people who get paid a lot of money to, to vet them, to, to make sure that they're good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, looking at the team, kind of figuring out, okay, they have, they're, they're good at what they do. Um, they have experience in executing and the project is, is, it's feasible. It's not just trying to create the next Airbnb for something. Um, there has to be exactly. real value add. It can't just be like blockchain payments for something, you know, 100%. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. The, the system right now. Um, I'm looking at your website here and you go into talking about replacing the apps and replacing the app platforms and being a straight shot for for what people are trying to get to. Is that something that you're very passionate about as well? Yeah. So I'm a big proponent of reducing the middleman, um, Mm -hmm. trying to make the process as simple as possible. There's a major issue. So our core team has, has a lot of mobile application experience. And what you see with mobile applications, there's actually, there was a, there was an article where Spotify was getting hurt by this actually. So large companies get hurt by uh, the monopolies that the, uh, these app stores have over um, phones. So Apple and Google can, can charge 15, 30% um, for all payments, all in-app purchases. And that's, that's terrible. It creates these really, really low margins. Um, and not only that, it hurts the customer as well. I mean, it hurts the developer, but it hurts the customer. So these, these transaction fees are really expensive and you need to wait a way to get around them. And that's kind of what open is. It's this direct resource where the user can pay and just get the asset, the actual digital yes. asset. It's not, yeah. And there's a difference between that and something like BitPay, um, where instead of getting the asset, BitPay actually gives you this invoicing number and you have no idea how to tie that invoicing number back to the specific customer. Hmm. Um, so it's a manual process to do that. And it, it works for e-commerce all right, but it does not work for more complex payments 
it just seems extraneous as well. You just sit there and manually enter in something every time. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. So the the the, the founders actually tried to utilize it. Um, this is a, this is a reason for for trying to start this. Is we we like they tried to use it. They didn't. They they tried to use it for a long time. It's not user friendly. Um, and eventually they just gave up trying to accept yeah. Bitcoin payments. Which is also another reason why people are not rapidly uh, adopting is because it's just difficult to use. Yeah, and even so, I mean, it's it's difficult to use, and it's the the intellectual resources out there for creating these systems are not there. So, for instance, Stripe tried to create uh, Bitcoin payments, um, and you'll notice that they don't offer them anymore, and it's because the system crashed. And they just decided it wasn't worth it. Um, so even these even these large companies are they they just don't have the expertise to be able to do this. Um and they're How not a change that. Um it, it's a it's a tough it's tough to change that actually because you basically have a lot of scammy ICOs where it's it's very very abstract layers. Um ideas are all right and then you have these protocol levels. And what I mean by protocol levels is like you have these, you know, in-depth researchers making new chains or like new ways to, you know, like new ways to transact on the system. And those are cool, but they don't help the mainstream audience. Mm-hmm. So, and the, and the protocol people, protocol level people don't want to work for these companies because it goes against the ethos of the open mm-hmm. source um, payments. So, I mean, open is pretty unique in that. Um, I actually just talked to a pretty large company, like three, almost $3 billion valuation where they were trying to do something similar. And I explained to them, I was like, hey, listen, like you could do this, um, but it's going to be really tough and you could be arrested because you're basing it off of your system. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, I was like, hey, listen, we have this. We, you can, um, this, is, this is something that, you know, if we collaborate on it, I can help you with your system. I can create that kind of value add for you. And they were like, okay, yeah, um, let's, kind of, let's kind of go forward on that. Um, it, sounds, so, it sounds like Open is coming around at a much needed time. <laughs> Yeah, it's there's a I mean there's a reason that I have I've kind of devoted myself to this. I've done a lot of technical implementations. Um, I mean, so I I I'm an I mean I I consult on these technical implementations or I used to, um, and the the only one that I've decided to really go forward with is Open, just because it has that it has that ability to bring you know, cryptocurrency payments, blockchain payments into the mainstream to get it out of the hands of the early adopters and put it towards put it towards the put it towards the public good to make it a real thing, you know, to make it more than just an asset, to make it an actual currency. And that kind of mind shift needs to happen for it to for it to flourish. Do you have any type of time frame you think that that would be happening in? Like you see where do you see open going in you know, three or four years, you see it completely changing in the way people are viewing it. Um, that's that's the goal. So we're gonna create. We're we've already created a a product for it. Um, the product is not as fleshed out, or it doesn't have as much functionality as I want it to have. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I'm not the developer for the product. If it was, if yeah. I was the developer for the product, if I was the product manager, um, it would not it would not go. The product would not be good. Um, we have we have a CTO who's. Uh, no, he was an exact. He's an exact. He was an executive at Pivotal Labs, which I don't know if you know that they're a large consulting company. And then we have a partner who has like 150 developers. So I mean, we have those people building the platform. I'm kind of just in charge of the architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're trying to. I mean, we're we're ramping up fast. 
the intention is to get as many partners, um, to get as many developers on it as possible. And to do that as quickly as possible, just because I, I'm aggressive because I really, I really love blockchain and I want, I want people to see the value in it. Exactly. So that's the main thing. So yeah, when people want to want to use your product, I guess walk us through how that how they would use it. So like, the, the goal, it's I mean, it's not really a, it's a it's not really a product. It's a I mean, it's like a it's a framework. So the, mm-hmm. the blockchain components are online, right? They're they're on chain. Anyone can utilize them to interact with our API for these components. It's obviously free, but um, it's it's meant to be as seamless as possible. So basically very inter- very um very intuitive user interface to create a payment scheme there's actually a demo online if anyone wants to go through it um to create a scaffold payment scheme we call the it scaffold is kind of like a decentralized payment gateway um and so there's this intuitive interface once you deploy the scaffold it's very similar to a normal um point of sale it's you have a developer key you have your wallet and I mean, it's it's meant to be as seamless as possible. So you just you you put in the key, you copy and paste a couple lines of code, and you're ready to roll. And that the API is is currently be, being developed, but the demo for the on-chain components is is there. It's open to the public. Wonderful. So, and they can all find that at openfuture.io, correct? Yes. Excellent. And, yeah, and join our Telegram. I I often rant on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I guess I guess another thing that I'd like to say is another issue or barrier that I see with blockchain is the cryptocurrency wallets. Um, mm. If you the hard if you look at these wallets, about? um, all all of the the entire wallet, whether it's mm-hmm. whether it's online or hard wallet, uh, I see some major I see some major issues. Um, that's what I'm that's the problem that I'm working on right now for Open. Um, the main um, issue is how that, are you going to yeah go ahead. What's the main issue and how are you going to change it? <laughs> So the main issue is that for these hard wallets, um, you're, you basically input a PIN and you get this seed. And this, is, this seed is to keep track of the wallet. It's to allow you to, to make transactions, basically. And the seed is 24 English words. And you're supposed to write this down on a piece of paper, and that's supposed to help you keep track of it. You're not supposed to input it in any digital device. And I just think that's very archaic. Um, I mean, here we are. You know, dealing with advanced crypto, cryptographic systems, and the only thing keeping you know the thing that's keeping track of your your identity and your access to all those funds is 24 English words, and it's English words. Um, and I just think that's yeah. Terrible. When I set up when I set up a soft wallet and they were having all these steps, I was like, I'm supposed to write this down on paper? How I don't write anything on paper yeah. anymore. Nothing. <laughs> terrible. It's terrible. Um, so with with open, I've been looking into this. So I, I've been looking into the mobile payments, and the the cool thing about mobile payments is that they they have terrible seeking. And the reason that I think that that's cool is because, <laughs> you know, how come there's not all these hacks? Um, how come we don't hear about all these hacks? I mean, there's there's some fraud, but it's not as much as you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of looking into that, seeing why it's not worth it for hackers to attack the common, you know, common person and trying to replicate that kind of system. Because in all honesty, it's not worth it to attack a wallet that only has a couple grand in it. And most of the wallets, that's all they're going to have. So creating kind of a multi-tiered system so that you can have easy user interaction um, and, and kind of a combined level of security if they need it. 
Um, this could this could mean kind of having uh, limitations on payments. It could mean creating new addresses. I mean, that's the ma- that's the other major thing is if you have if you lose your address, you lose all your money. So yeah, when I have it's a so bank, scary. If I, lose my card, <laughs> I can get a new one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have lost my card, so I, and I have had to have get to get a new one. So there there needs to be a system for that for the for the common user if they lose their address, um, they can they can create another one, they can seed another one, and that's a difficult problem uh, because you can't make it very easy. And how do you verify that they're the actual person uh, and they actually had ownership of the address? Exactly. Well, any thoughts on how to do that? Um, I, w- I was thinking of specific cryptographic signatures for the address. Mm-hmm. You could do kind of identity-based. Some some systems like Civic have it so you can log in and it's based on your identity. Um, even those systems, though, they're they're susceptible to attacks. So if I figured out your identity, if I figured out anything about you, I could I could hack you. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you have that kind of information online, you can you can create various. I mean, you can create a lot of issues if it's not as secure as... I mean, so say you put your social security number on your mobile phone. Well, if it's not completely secure, someone could actually take your social security social security number because of that wallet. Mm-hmm. You need to make sure that you don't let any data out. Um, so I've been exploring various cryptographic signatures, kind of a multi-sig, multi-signature way, and that's to, to create a new wallet address. And the multi-signature would require other signatures, so you have your family members, perhaps, um, or friends that allow you to create a new signature. Um, but yeah, it's it's a tough problem. I mean, there's a reason it hasn't been solved yet. I've only I've only been attacking it for a couple of days now, but um, <laughs> I'm hoping to have I'm hoping to have a solution in at least a, a rough outline of a solution in a couple more, um, just because that's how I solve problems. And then yeah, you can it's a tough start problem. implementing that into your open open platform. You can start offering offering that as a service to the clients who are coming to your to your website and to to work with you. Yeah, and that's a part of the the roadmap is we're we're, we're creating a security design for the wallet um, next month and hopefully implementing wow. it as soon as possible. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so you are you also are a part of uh, blockchain at Berkeley, which we had them on the other week. Yeah, and oh, uh, anyway, that was did you have on? That's, yeah, um, who was it? Nadia. I forgot his name. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but it was anyway. So tell us. I mean, is, it, is that kind of how you got involved in it? Were through school, that, through yeah, college, that's, and that's how I first got involved in uh, blockchain. I actually became a member last semester. It was kind of I my skill set is very well adapted towards blockchain. I have a lot of experience in mathematics and cryptography. I mean, now I have experience mm-hmm. in cryptography, um, but I'm also really fast at learning just kind of any kind of system. So I've had experience in biology, uh, electrical system scheduling, economics. Now I have legal experience because of the technical implementations. But it's, you know, it's a it's, a, it's something that I really love. Uh, blockchain at Berkeley is, is, is a wonderful organization for that learning. Uh, and the first couple of weeks, they put us through this grueling boot camp where it was like every weekend we had 10 hours each day just going over blockchain. Um, yeah, it was it was tough. And through but blockchain, I was actually... That, sorry, what? I was going to say, despite that, you stuck with it and apparently liked it. Yeah, I loved it. It was just, it was just a lot of time and it was very grueling. I mean, it was, it was like a, it was a boot camp. Um, and yeah, I just, I loved it. I loved learning about all this stuff and it it slowly took over my life, um, which is, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that it did. 
And blockchain is actually how I first got introduced to these technical implementations. If you go through blockchain, there's just all these opportunities for helping out with a lot of cool systems. So uh, consensus is one of the cool ones. Uh, Kyber, there's research through Kyber that I did. Um, and then, you know, there, there's just a very cool ecosystem that they create uh, where they create these events. There's just massive swaths of knowledge. Um, and it's, it's really exciting. Uh, and it's a, it's a huge organization, actually. Yeah, it, se- it seems like a, an excellent resource for any level of involvement, truly. You know, if you want to learn about blockchain or if you're just interested minorly or if you want to start a career in it, blockchain yeah. at Berkeley is, is one of the places to, to launch off of. So uh, where, can yeah, people, yeah. Yeah, where can people get connected to Open Platform? What's the best? I see you've got Twitter, you've got Facebook, you've got all this stuff. What is, you know, what are your social um, media things and how can people get involved? So we have, we have Facebook and Twitter. We have the Telegram is where we have a lot of the chat. Um, and our Discord channel is where we have more of the technical chat. We generally try to limit the acceptance into the Discord channel to invites only because we don't want... Um, a lot of kind of like shilling of coins or just various, we, we, we want to make sure that the conversation is guided and that we have people who are really interested in the system um, because that's where you get a lot of interaction with, with the team. I mean, we're, all, we're, on the, we're on the Telegram channel, but the Discord channel is where we are answering those technical questions. We're, we're dealing with developers who have, who have a lot of um, expertise who want to help. Uh, and yeah, that's, I mean, so yeah, I would say Telegram, join our whitelist. Um, we are doing airdrops. Uh, we're trying to get developers onboarded. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that once the, the collaboration with this uh, large company goes through, it's going to be easier. But there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of people that we have to onboard. And so that's a fun part, especially when creating the, the API, we have to kind of iterate through that process. Um, but yeah, we're pretty available. Um, the webinars are also a great way to chat. Uh, I'm going to be doing one on Wednesday. So that's, that's cool. If you guys want to join on that, uh, I would love to see that. And Saturday. I mean, I do, I do a few every week. Excellent. And so people can come and go as they please, and there's always new information. Yeah. You get, well, you get Chase, to hear my rants. I get to yeah. hear your rants and the passion that comes with those rants. And, yeah. and that's, you know, that's what's going to create change is passion and perseverance, truly. Well, thank you. We're hoping so. <laughs> well, and hoping, yeah, <laughs> a little hope doesn't go goes a pretty long way too. Yes, it does. Well, All right, Chase, so thank you, thank, thank you for having me so on. So much, of course. Thank you for joining us and for for ranting and for sharing your your passion on on this. So. All right, it was a pleasure. All right, well, that was Chase Smith. He is the that is Chase Smith. He is the founder and lead architect at Open Platform. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been Juliet Lamar with Future Tech Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, 
from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.